Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the Small Town Podcast. Connor here. If you find this episode valuable, be sure to share it with your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you're listening. Also, I invite you to check us out on Patreon if you're interested in helping to support this podcast. You can find a link to that in the description of this episode. All right, enjoy the conversation. story but um i really did drive a thousand miles to get that cup okay while we're at i just tell the story yeah, I a, yeah a, my I'd shop like to hear it. my like shop it. tech uh, uh last, i went to school with michael klein years and years ago 30 something years ago but um have not crossed paths often never really respond he's a potter in north carolina never really responded to his work when i would see it which wasn't very often and then uh, my shop tech came in, Megan Peden came in one day, and she had purchased one of his cubs. And um, I began to have a relationship with that cup that I didn't realize. I didn't know what was going on. I would see the cup, and I would be, wow, I, I, I really like what I, whatever's happening to me when I see it. And I began to want the cup, you know, I began to, and I would pick it up, you know, when Megan would have it and have it sitting there, I would pick it up and I would feel the handle and I'd feel the body and feel how it would feel in my hand. And I really wanted that cup. And I didn't really know why, because I had, uh, I had long had no affinity to Michael's work. And I had only seen it in two dimensions in magazine articles or on the internet and I was really taken back by the the simplicity and the sincerity of my response to this cup. And it was being produced in me by this little cup. And it got to the point where I thought, you know, I want one of those cups. It really is that meaningful to me. And um, so I told my wife, let's, let's drive over to Asheville, North Carolina, and then uh, uh, Michael Klein, a potter, is over there just a, maybe an hour away. And let's drive over to his place. I want to see. I've got to have some sort of discovery event with why I'm having such a response to this cup. And I know this sounds like, oh, my goodness, this guy's crazy. But I'm not crazy. I just have, I just have experiences that, that you don't have. But it doesn't mean that there are any less... I think we all have experiences like this. And so we did. We actually, last winter, drove uh, to, to, you know, we got on a, we got on I-40, and then we got on some other road, and then we got on some other road. And then mm-hmm. at the end, we were on just like this road just big enough for our truck to fit on the side of a mountain. And uh, it literally was that way down below was a river and an old uh, abandoned railroad bed. And and uh, we made a real sharp curve and come out of the trees, and here was this hillside with this pottery up on it, like you would think of a mountain pottery. Should have had goats walking around the yard. He probably did somewhere. Probably did. And so I went, and we know each other, you know, just because we went to school. He was a undergraduate. I think I was a graduate at the time. And uh, and I. We poked around his studio and talked, Betty and I and him and his apprentice and his dog. And uh, I told him what was going on, and I wanted a, I wanted a coffee cup. I, was, I actually had driven 
500 miles over there to get this coffee cup. And uh, the first thing he said was, let's trade. And I wow. said, well, wow, Michael, I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't carry a cup around with me. And then I thought, no, I do. I carry a cup in my truck. And I said, well, I have a, an old cup of mine in my truck that I, it's one of my favorites. I, I keep one in each one of our cars. And we traded. And um, so that's a long story about the meaning that, that pottery has had in my life. It's, it's more of a day-to-day enlivening, you know, the 16 or so hours of any given day that, that we are given where most of our days are, are unenlivened and doing things that don't bring life to us as humans. Mm-hmm. Pottery does that for you. And you won't understand that until you begin to take a pottery class, but it never fails. It is, uh, it's that meaningful. Yeah. I think, I think God had something, you know, he had this love affair with clay. It's all through the Bible. Like one show we played one time, it was at this festival out on I-70, and I won't name the festival name or anything, but it was in the middle of the night, it was pouring rain. I mean, I remember standing on in this field and I was above my ankle in water. Like it was that much rain, dumping rain. And we loaded in to play this set and I was just like, this is going to be a nightmare. It was cold. Like I think it was like 50 degrees outside or 40 degrees pouring rain. And they had a couple of tents set up right in the front of the stage. And there was like 15 people pitch dark outside, 15 people standing in the rain to listen to us play. And they're, excitement and just their their willingness to participate in that with us even those 15 people in like the worst environment to play in we played our hearts out and it was so much fun you know like all the discomfort faded away all the rain all that those 15 people made the show it wasn't us you know we were feeding off of the audience and uh i i don't know I, i think that's sometimes we forget that like it's it's a corporate event, you know. It's 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 a it's a communal event when you're on stage playing. The people in the in the crowd are just as important as you are on stage mm. wow. um, because you're having that experience together. And and there's just something really special about that, you know. And, and whatever the art form is, um, so I mean, that's again, that's one of my favorite things about playing music is just having that experience with a group of people together and being able to like have a, you know have a have a something that i'm playing and that you know have a yeah. part really a part in that uh, is is a really great experience i think you just answered something i've been trying to figure out for months i've been <laughs> trying to figure out and I, i've been mulling it over and like trying to i don't know i mean i've tried to write out the way that i think about it and i've tried to talk to people about it and it, i haven't been able to articulate it and i think you just hit it what makes live music better than recorded music because intuitively i think there is a hierarchy and i think there's something in live music that you can't get in a studio yeah but i haven't been able to figure out what that is so so my my music experience is mostly in a church context as you know and i have noticed that church music is one of the only places now in our society where you consistently get exposed to live music. Mm-hmm. Like throughout the week, six days of the week, people get things that have been doctored and edited in a studio. And it's a completely different feel. But it's also 
like it's also individualized so it's the it's what it, whatever whatever makes the best music to you you're listening to the top 1% of that all week mm-hmm. cuz however however much music is on iTunes or Spotify <laughs> there's no way that you listen to all of it right you're listening to the top 1% of whatever makes it the top 1% for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you come to church, and of course the music doesn't sound as good, right? Of course the quality is 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 not as good by whatever categories you were going off of six days out of the week. Um, but I still think that there's something there that you can't get the other six days of the week, and I haven't been able to put my finger on what it is. So you're saying that it has to do with the the relationship aspect of it. Totally. It's the audience. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and I really, I think about, um, I don't know. And this is something that I learned from a tr- playing in church and especially playing music at Christ Community Church, like where, mm-hmm. where we played music together is, is that, um, cause there, it was the first church that I ever played at where there was no sound system and there was no, yeah. there was no stage in a metaphorical sense like there was not the band was wasn't louder than anyone else necessarily yeah. like no you light could system sing. no lights no nothing it was just yeah. real stripped down um and so like if you wanted to be loud like on stage and you just had to play really loud yeah and if but if you're in the audience you can't hide under the nor no no one really wants to like hide and be entertained necessarily and that's you know that's the same it's the exact same thing in a secular context or any other context i mean i think music as a, as a form uh you know i think that there's a sacred aspect to music for sure and can be used in a sacred context but i think some of those the parts of the language of how music works is there's a certain universalness to it yes. there's there is yes. a reason that people go to concerts to participate in this and to sing songs together you know and yeah You know, on, on there's a certain level where you have to say, there's a bunch of things that contribute to being able to do that, mm-hmm. and and of all those things that contribute, there's a whole bunch of them that are completely out of my control. You know, Paul writes about you know uh, what do you have that you did not receive, and if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Mm. You know, and what I mean by that is that you know, look, I have the schedule. Uh, I'm 60 years old, and and my legs work, my heart works. You know, I uh, uh, you know, for example, my my mom uh, got cancer when she was 43 years old and died. My sister got brain cancer when she was 43 and died. You know, I'm 60 years old. I never got cancer. Why? I don't know. Hmm. There's nothing that I did. Uh, that that allowed me to to keep doing what I'm doing. I feel like I'm on borrowed time a lot of times, and you know those types of things that are completely out of your control. Uh, yeah, there's some things, some choices I make that are in my control. You know, I choose to put on my shoes and get out the door, but uh, the, the, you know I have both my feet to put on the shoes. You know, I haven't been in some stupid accident that that has uh, you know crippled me up. Um, you know, and those things I, I don't completely understand. You know, uh, I know I'm, I'm, um, I come from a theological background, and so I would, I would like to be able to clearly say, oh, God has blessed me w- with those things. 
but I'm still wrestling with that, with what that even means. Mm -hmm. And so the, the part that I do understand is that, man, I'm just so thankful. I, I'm unbelievably thankful. And I, I know that I have a, a lot of things in my life to be thankful for. And, you know, I, I would like to think that if circumstances were different, I would still find things to be thankful for. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm that type, that type of a person that would be able to do that. But uh, I hope that I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I know that, uh, that the things that are in, are in my life, I'm, I'm extremely thankful for. And, and to a level where I, I feel obligated to do something. Uh, I don't know why. I, I, I'm still wrestling with what. Uh, but, you know, I, I have the ability to, to run and I have the ability at, at my age level, you always got to qualify it with at my age level, but, um, I have the ability to, to run kind of well. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that when you have the ability to do something and you can recognize those things that are, that you were just given, whatever that means, uh, you know, y you ought to go out and do something with it and see, yeah. see what happens. And yeah. so that's kind of in the state that I'm in is I'm, I, I know that I have the ability to do something and I want to find out, uh, how good I can get. So I'm still exploring that. <laughs> and I, I started to realize I felt this way about food or no, I started to realize that there was this other dimension to food because I woke up to its, to, to the need for it. I needed this other dimension, the deeper dimension of food because I felt its absence mm -hmm. and I would do things like go out to Chick-fil-A in the morning at college just to eat breakfast there, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't satisfy me. There was something I was looking for that I couldn't find, but I tried to look for it. Even though you would still feel full? Yeah, like my hunger was gone, but there was something else that was still hungry. Okay. And, like, and the example is, the personal example I'm drawing from is when I came back from my sophomore year and I had just said goodbye to my parents and they were still in Indonesia the second morning I was here and I'd already moved into my dorm room and everything. I, I was, I felt so lonely and I needed something, but I could, I didn't know what it was. And so I, I just went to Chick-fil-A. I was looking for something. I didn't realize I was looking for something, but I went to Chick-fil-A and I bought myself, you know, chicken biscuits and they were awesome, but something was still hungry. Mm. And now looking back, I realized I was looking for somebody to cook for me. Not not because I was lazy or because whatever. I was I wanted I wanted I was missing my mother and I was missing her cooking and that thing she puts in her food because she loves me. And I think had someone else cooked for me and I let them love me, it would have tasted that 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 dimension that love in the food would have satisfied the hunger i was feeling and i thought in my you know ignorance maybe 
and, and I was still in the dark about, about all this, about what I was looking for and everything. And I thought that just somebody, anybody, anything else cooking for me, just me not cooking it would satisfy it. So just going and buying food, but that wasn't it. It wasn't just me not cooking. I was looking for something that only somebody else could give me. Hmm. And that's why I think it's so important to cook and to eat together. Mm-hmm.